It is officially the season of corn mazes, right? We're finally here. I, I know some of you celebrate holidays early. You shouldn't do that. You should wait. And, but now we are officially in the season of corn mazes. Anybody been to a corn maze yet? Yeah, some of you. Uh, anybody planning to go to a corn maze? Yeah, anybody hate corn mazes? Good, good. Good, just trying to give everybody an opportunity to awkwardly raise your hand sometime during the service. Uh, yeah, very good. We're, we're in the middle. Corn mazes can be fun. Corn mazes can be frustrating. going to give you a little tip, though, about corn mazes. Absolutely free. No charge for this. Here's my tip on corn mazes. Where you start matters. Where you start matters. Now, you can't just walk into the cornfield wherever you want to walk in. I mean, you could try it. And who knows, maybe occasionally you do actually stumble on the right path if you do it that way. It's a lot better if you start at the beginning. Where you start in the process of trying to solve a corn maze really does matter. That's why corn mazes have signs. They have signs for start. I brought, brought some examples of signs. Yeah, they have, they have big signs. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. Some of them are professionally made. Some of them are handmade. And there are all kinds of different ways of saying right here, this is where you start. Don't walk in over there. Don't try to come in from the end, right? Some people do that. You try to start at the end and work your way back to the beginning, which might work for those mazes on paper, like I get it on paper, I, I'm not sure that's an effective strategy for solving a corn maze. The best way to solve a corn maze is to start at the start. Now, once you start, once you get into the corn maze, the start doesn't solve all of the problems. Have you noticed this? Finding the start is the first key, but once you get past the start and you get into the corn maze, things can still get confusing in there. Because then you've got to decide, do I turn right? Do I turn left? Have we been here before? Are we walking in circles? Didn't we just pass that corn stalk? Everything looks the same. Like once you get in, there are still complications. There are still problems. It can still get confusing. A corn maze, if you didn't know this, by its very nature is disorienting. Okay. It is disorienting. Again, it all looks the same. And you try to retrace your steps. Ever try to retrace your steps, but then feel like, no, this is a completely different place. This is not where we were before. Or is it where we were before? Did we go right? Did we go? What did we do the last time we were here? This is normal in a corn maze because the whole nature of corn mazes is to be disorienting. And, and because it's disorienting, it can either be really interesting to you, like if you're a problem solver, like that kind of gets you going, it's very interesting to you, or it's very frustrating to you. And there's probably no in-between. You either love it or hate it. You either like the experience or you really hate the experience because it can be so disorienting. Sometimes when you're in a corn maze, it can help you to kind of get your bearings to say, okay, let's stop. Let's, let's think about where we've been and think about what our next step would be. If you've been to one of those corn mazes that has like the elevated walkway occasionally, so you can get up above the corn and you can look back to where you started and you say, okay, we came from there 
And then you can look forward. So, okay, this is where we're trying to get to. Those elevated walkways are periodic moments where you kind of gather yourself and, and, and you start again. All right, we know where we've been from, where we've come from. We know what that's like. We know where we have to go. Let's go back down into the corn maze and try again. Again, once you get into the corn maze, it can be quite confusing, but where you start matters. Where you start matters. Starting in the right place matters. However, let's be honest, making a good start does not eliminate tough moments on the journey even when you start well it doesn't eliminate the fact that there's going to be some confusion there's going to be some struggle there's going to be some difficulty and you're going to have to remind yourself we did this because we thought it would be fun okay maybe that's not very helpful but it does help in life when things get disorienting, when things get confusing, when you begin to have questions, to remind yourself why you started and where you started. Well, why did I start on this path? Well, why did I want to do this? Why did I believe at one time? You see, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our beliefs, when it comes to our spirituality, where you start matters. Where you start, how you start, why you start matters. And, and just like in a corn maze, a good spiritual start doesn't eliminate the questions and the confusions that are going to come once you get inside. Once you get down the road spiritually, you're still going to come to some places and have to decide, okay, right or left? Am I walking in circles? This looks familiar, but it's not familiar. I'm, I'm a little confused by some things. I'm a little disoriented by some things. The spiritual life is very much that way. That's a part, really, of being a person of faith. Part of, part of our faith journey is as we go along, we come to some things that we don't understand that get confuse, confusing. We wrestle with them. We dig into them. We ask really hard questions. We face really difficult questions. Sometimes we look to people who are farther down the road from us, or, or maybe they know a little bit more than us. This is how we keep moving forward. But the spiritual life, wherever you started and however you started, it, it is not devoid of questions and struggles and problems. You, you've had them like I have. There are times that I look at the world as a believer, as someone who believes in God. There are times that I look at the world and I have trouble making sense of what I see. I have trouble making sense of, of evil that I see in the world, circumstances that I see in the world, things that people that I care about are experiencing. You, you run into those too. We experience tragedies sometimes in life, in the spiritual corn maze. Like we're down the path a ways. And we experience a tragedy and it causes us to question, is this real? Is this true? Is this right? Do I believe the right things? Am I on the right path? Many of you are like me. You, you've, look, you've looked at people who claim to be Christians. You've looked at Christian leaders. You, you've looked at things that some churches have done maybe in your past or you've read about or, or you've heard about. 
And it brings up in us a lot of questions and a lot of confusion and a lot of but why. And if God is real, then why is all this happening? It matters where you start. It matters how you start. But the start doesn't guarantee that there are no questions and there's never any confusion once you start down the path. But, but what you can do is sort of like in a corn maze. You can, you can kind of climb back up on the walkway and you can, you can look back to the start. And, and what, what I do in these seasons, even though I'm wrestling, even though I don't always get perfect answers, one of the ways I approach those seasons of my life is I look back to the start and I remind myself, this is why I started. This is what I believed when I started. Do I still believe that? And yeah, I haven't figured out this part of the may. I haven't figured out this part of the confusion yet, but I know where I started and it was true. And I still believe and it still matters. One of the podcasts that I listen to occasionally just added a new segment. It's like a, a shorter, separate podcast from the, from the main podcast. And the title of this, this added segment is, Why Are You Still a Christian? Why Are You Still a Christian? And they ask, at least in the Christian world, fairly well-known people who have who have struggled over the last several years. Many of them have taken positions that they have been attacked for by other Christians. They, 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 they believed certain things, they said certain things about the world or world events or things that were going on um, or about faith or about Christianity, and they received just a ton of attack from other believers, not from non-believers, from other believers, and, and they've sort of been beaten down for various reasons. And so the people who make this podcast are inviting those people on, those men and women on, and saying, why do you stay? Why, with all that you've experienced, why do you stay? Why do you still believe? And typically the answer always comes back to, I still believe what I believed when we started. I just still believe that's true. I don't think we, are, we live it out perfectly. I don't think Christians live out truth perfectly, but I still believe it's true. I still believe Jesus is who he said he was. I still believe there is a God, and it is the God of the Bible. I still believe those core things. And you know, just like I found out, once you get down the path, there are a lot of little diversions. There are a lot of, oh, well, what do you believe about this? Oh, well, what do you believe about this? Those are not unimportant. But there are some core beliefs that will hold us steady through questions and doubts about a variety of other things if we'll just go back to the start. If when we struggle, we'll just go back to where we started and remind ourselves that part I still believe is true. I don't know about this part. I don't agree with what this Christian leader did. I don't agree with what the church did in this situation. But this part, 
I'm still convinced it's true. Do you remember the story of Job? Some of you in the Old Testament, the book of Job is about a man who experienced tremendous loss. First two chapters, he loses all of his children. He loses his health. And at one point, his wife comes to him and, and basically says, why are you still maintaining your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? Why do you still believe? And yet Job still believed. We, we face that sometimes. We face that from an inner voice, not necessarily from an outer voice. Why do I still believe? Why am I still here? In the corn maze, as, uh, as the hours tick by, you have to remind yourself, like I said, why we thought this was a good idea. Anybody always last in the corn maze? Like, that's your deal? You're just, you're not admitting it, right? You don't have to admit it here. I get it. You don't have to admit it here. Yeah, as the, as the hours tick by, sometimes you're wondering, why did we do this? Same thing in our faith. It's life goes on as, as images of evil appear on our screens over the past two weeks, as we hear stories of heartache and heartbreak, as you face tragedies, as, as there's that part of you that sometimes wants to say, God, why don't you? Why aren't you? Why did you? There, there are those moments where we don't have a good answer. And, I, and our option is, what are the answers we do have? And how do we hold on to those answers in spite of the, the questions that still remain? In this series, we're going to talk about five areas, just, just kind of back to the start. Just very beginning. Let's, let's, let's just remind ourselves of, of five really important Truths, And I know that, that over the next five weeks, the people that will be here, you're at a lot of different places when it comes to, to faith and to this path, to the spiritual journey. Um, some of you maybe are, are, are way down the path. You, you, you're, you're doing great. You're kind of plugging right, of long, right along. Uh, perhaps some of you... Um, you you started the path, but there never really was a discussion of, hey, here's the, here's the foundation. Here's, here's the beginning. Here's some things you need to know. And so I, I want this series to serve to kind of get you moving in the right direction when it comes uh, spiritually. Some of you are what I, what I mentioned. You're in the middle of a maze, and you're disoriented, and you're confused, and you're thinking about quitting, and you just need a moment for us to say, yeah, but... Deep down, you still believe this, don't you? You still believe this, and, and some perhaps are just totally off the path altogether. Like you're just uh, have abandoned the path, and, and I'm praying that maybe through this, God would kind of bring us all back to where He wants us to be. The best place to start is at the start. This is how the Bible begins In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Um, one of the challenges we face in religion, Christianity, with the Bible, is that the Bible assumes the existence of God from the very beginning. The Bible doesn't offer what we would call proofs of God. We might call it apologetics of God, reasons to believe in God. There are reasons. We'll talk about some. The Bible doesn't get into 
why we should believe in God, it starts with God. In the beginning, God. There is an assumption on the part of the Bible that God exists. We come along later and we ask questions like, is there a God? Is there, is there a God at all? Does God exist? How do we know God exists? Part of the tension is the Bible doesn't necessarily address those questions. It's not that they're unimportant. They're very important. They're very real. They're very good questions. The Bible just doesn't respond to that question because the Bible starts in the beginning, God. Uh, for me, when I've had seasons of doubt, when, when I've tried to explain this world without a God, for me, that's a leap of logic that's a little too far for me. And I understand, and I'm going to do my best, and, and hopefully we'll do a good job. I want to be respectful of people who have arrived at other conclusions than I have. But when I begin to question the world, when I begin to question God, when I begin to think, you know, maybe it'd be easier to live if, as if there weren't a God. Maybe it'd be easier just to quit all of this. Maybe it'd be easier just to walk away. One of the things that keeps drawing me back is that I cannot conceive of a universe like the one we have without an initiator, without a being that started it all. Where did everything come from if not from God? How does anything exist apart from someone starting it all? The very beginning. Well, there, is, there is known history. We know a lot about known history. And then previous to known history, things start to get fuzzy. Things aren't as clear cut. Once you get a couple thousand years back... Now, whenever I'm, I'm struggling, whenever I want to be mad at God, uh, whenever I, I, I want to question the existence of God, I, my mind just goes back to, okay, but how did this get launched, really? Because at every stage that you land, like if you're working your way back through history, at every stage where you land, you can continue to ask, and, and what happened before that? Right? Has anybody played this very mind-twisting game. And what happened before that? And, and what happened before that? And whatever that is, how did that get here? And what happened before that? And, what, and as we track back through history, known history with each new landing spot, there doesn't seem to be a good off-ramp to say, okay, this is where it started. And this is how it started. Uh, human life, best I understand it from from science and biology classes, which, by the way, big fan of science, big fan of biology. Uh, for, for in most cases, science and faith are not at odds with one another. So don't let anyone convince you that science and faith are enemies of one another. For most of human history, science and faith have always been considered together. So big fan of science. Big fan of all that uh, we have today by virtue of really smart people, people who are smarter than me. But as I understand, biology and the origin of humanity, essentially it gets traced back to a single cell organism. From a single cell, all life came. This is 
in general, scientific explanation of life, single-cell organism, which if we land on single-cell organism, then my question obviously is, what happened before that? And, and how did that get here? Because there are some things we know about a single-cell organism now, the main thing being it is extremely complicated. It's not like a blob. It, it, systems are at work within one cell, and they all have to work together. They have to be compatible. They have to work with certain timing in order for even a single-cell organism to exist. So even if we get back to all human life came from a single-cell organism, I still want to know, well, where did that come from? How did that get here? Who started that? Well, there were there was space, and there were planets, and there were, were stars, and there was stuff. There was, there was a universe, and planets, and stars before there was a single-cell uh, uh, organism. And then my question is, okay, well, where did that come from? Okay, where did all of those things come from that you landed at? And what was here before those things were here that would have caused those things to be here. Again, this is not a detailed scientific explanation. Huge respect for science. Don't feel that faith is at odds with science, but in general, we arrive, we keep going back and back and back and back. In general, we arrive at what is accepted as the Big Bang that started everything, right? According to Guardians of the Galaxy ride at Epcot, that's where it started. And I'm going with that because I think that's, that's kind of where most scientific teaching lands is that there was some kind of explosion and at least the building blocks for all of the universe came out of that. Uh, I'll give you a definition uh, I found for the Big Bang Theory. I will mention when I Googled Big Bang Theory, the top two were about the television show and not so, just if you want to know where we are as a civilization. Okay, here's the description. Around 13.7 billion years ago, everything in the entire universe was condensed into an infinitesimally small singularity, a point of infinite denseness and heat. Suddenly, an, explosion, an explosive expansion began, ballooning our universe outwards faster than the speed of light, which is a fascinating, way over my head explanation. Okay, admit it. Freely admit that. But if I accepted this explanation, my next question is, where did that infinitesimally small singularity the point of infinite denseness and heat come from? I mean, we can pack this whole universe back into an infinitesimally small singularity. I still want to know where that came from. Like, you still have to answer my question. Again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to be reductionist. I, I, it sounds like it. I know it does. I, that's not what I mean. I mean, I just have this question. How does it start? How did this thing get going? How could there be nothing and then there was something? 
absolutely nothing and then there was some or how could there even be a place where the infinitesimally small dense whatever existed what about the the place where that existed we have tried um which is great this is like science crazy cool stuff uh, there have been uh, multiple attempts to recreate the Big Bang, which is fascinating. We learn all kinds of stuff from this. The Hadron Collider, uh, where they speed up matter. My understanding is metal in some sort. They speed up matter, and then they crash it together to observe what happens right after that so that we learn things about the past and, and space and the universe. Fascinating, incredible. The problem is somebody built the Hadron Collider. Somebody brought metal, matter, whatever it is they mashed together, they collided together. Somebody brought that to the scene. And there's a place where the Hadron Collider actually exists. There is a space out in the middle of nowhere, like Big Desert, Netherlands maybe, somewhere like that. Um, there's a space where it exists. So if you've recreated the Big Bang, I just want to know, okay, who made all of that the first time? Who did all of that the first time? It is in some ways an unanswerable question, and I, and I, and I understand that. Uh, as, I was, um, as, as I was watching some videos of the Collider and, and getting some explanation, it, it was interesting to me that the scientist who was, who was talking, brilliant man, way smarter than I am, he was saying that the whole purpose of recreating the Big Bang was, was to better understand what took place milliseconds after the Big Bang, which is great. I think probably a lot of cool stuff you could find out. You smash stuff together, you always find that cool stuff, right? I think that's cool. Milliseconds after these things collide together, what happened, and how does that help us know more about the history of the universe? I think that's cool. Still doesn't tell us what happened. It's like we're just barely late on that explanation. You're like, you're so close. But how was there stuff to collide? Where, where did that come from? Let, I, I am not saying this, this is a foolproof explanation. Right? I, I know there have been attempts at explaining that part of it. Stephen Hawking, before he died, uh, in, and I think his last book came up with a theory about how this could have happened, and I don't even attempt to read that because I, I'm, I, I'm a human, but he's like more than a human or something when he was alive. Just brilliant, utterly, completely brilliant. I know there have been attempts to answer this question, but there is an assumption that a Big Bang happened and we're not sure what caused that, the best we can do is study what happened right after it. Which says to me, if you assume there is a God, you are doing the same thing as if you assume there was matter out there that collided at some point, but we don't know how it got here. You understand? There's an assumption either way. I, I am admitting, 
Look, I can't fully explain that part. I want to start explaining things immediately after that part. There's an assumption either way. We generally agree, except it gets in the way of a naturalist explanation of the universe. We generally agree that nothing comes from nothing. If there was ever nothing, nothing, no, no space, no planets, no matter, no single cell organisms, nothing. If there was ever absolutely nothing, there couldn't be something that comes out of nothing, except for in the origin of the universe explanation. That's the one time that really smart people are willing to say, yeah, there was nothing, and then there was something, and we don't know how there was something. But right after something happened, everything else happened. Again, not, I'm really trying not to be reductionist. I'm trying not to, to mock, because this is not me mocking. This is me sharing with you the struggle in my mind of trying to accept a world where there is no God. See, I think there's two options that we have. Maybe you have a third. Um, we can believe that there is an eternal uncreated initiator of all of the universe. There is an eternal uncreated being that purposefully started everything or we can believe that, that there is some matter that is eternal. Some matter that collided together. There is some and, and in my opinion the way the scientific community gets around this is they say yeah but it was really really small really, really small. And it was billions of years ago. It's really, really small, and it was a long, long time ago, so we're going to just assume it. Well, it doesn't matter how small it was or how long ago it existed. How did it get there? I don't know if this is satisfying for you. I, I know for me, when I have those moments of struggle and I just want to walk away from the whole thing, my mind goes back to how did this start without some intentional being at some point purposefully beginning this universe this universe in all of its specificity that in order for us to be here the earth has to be a certain distance from the sun no closer no farther away the moon has to be a certain distance from us no closer no farther away the oxygen level has to be at a specific point in, other, in order for us to survive. The multiple systems that have to work in order in our bodies for any of our functions to, 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 to be able to do its thing, for us to be able to see, for us to be able to walk, for us to be able to think. All of the specific multiple systems that have to coexist and work together the incredible complexity of the universe. The fact that you and I assume purpose and meaning in this world. We assume, we work from the standpoint that things matter. There is meaning to most if not everything, there was some purpose and meaning to the world. If the world is an accident, 
there is no meaning to anything ultimately. Right? And, and naturalistic scientists, social scientists will push back against this, but at the end of the day, most of them have to admit, yes, we can create meaning if we want. You could create me, you could say, yes, this is meaningful to me, but why is it meaningful at all? Why is there any purpose to anything? Nothing matters if you, you and I came from nothing. We're going to end up as nothing. We were cosmic accidents from the beginning that have no real intention and explanation. There is no such thing as, as meaning. There is no such thing as purpose. Everything just is. Good and evil don't matter. If there's not a purposeful creation of the universe. Good and evil is whatever we decide it is at the moment. There is no standard for good and evil. If there is not a being who determines what is just and what is righteous, somewhere who created all of us to feel that sense of right and wrong, and you feel it, every one of us does. Every one of us feels a moral sense, a sense of what is right and what is wrong. And whenever you are disadvantaged, that moral sense comes up probably more than ever, right? When you have been offended, you have a really strong sense of that's not right. Who says that's not right? Who determines what is right and what is wrong? We've watched the television the last two weeks, Israel, Gaza, Hamas, the world's reaction. And you have landed somewhere along the right and wrong continuum. You have said these things are wrong. This is right. Somebody needs to do something. Why do we feel that moral compulsion if nothing matters and no one created us? We're accidentally floating around the universe on a big rock that will come to an end one day. Like we instinctively know we should care about other people, but why should we care about other people if we're going to end in nothingness? Social scientists will argue that uh, we've learned to care about one another or for the benefit of humankind, like in order for our species to continue to exist, we must show a level of compassion. Who said that our species should exist? If there is no God, if there's no meaning for us to be here, if there's no purpose in us being here, who decided that it's a good thing that we go on existing? We are left to make up right and wrong, good and evil, morality as an individual. And whatever scale you use, who's to say that your scale is any better than a different scale of good and evil that someone else uses? We don't believe good and evil is subjective, though. We believe there are things that are right, and there are things that are wrong. We believe that things do actually matter. There is meaning. There is purpose. We are not cosmic accidents. And maybe we don't all arrive there from the same place. But you and I, especially in moments of tragedies... We ask why. 
Have you ever wondered why do we ask why? Why do we ask why if nothing matters? If, if everything in the world is an accident, if you are an accident, why are we looking for some big explanation? If we arrived here strictly through natural causes, there is no explanation. Things just are. We know, that in our, we know in our hearts that isn't true, though. Solomon writes this. He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Yes, in the maze, there's confusion. We get disoriented sometimes. We don't understand everything, but in our hearts, God has put eternity. God has put something in our heart that demands to know why, that looks for purpose, that looks for meaning, that desires for all things to be made beautiful at some point, for justice to win and injustice to lose, for good to be the victor and for evil to be vanquished. It's in us, not accidentally. It's in us. Because God put it in us. In the beginning, God. If there is a God, and I'm convinced there is, the greatest thing you and I can do with our life is know Him. Give our life to understanding as much of Him as we can understand. There's a view of God that accepts, yes, there is a God up there on the mountain somewhere. And every belief system is one of the paths up to that God. And you may be traveling up this path, but somebody on the other side of the mountain, they're traveling up their path. And this person is traveling up their path, and You may not believe the same things, but all paths are trying to get to God. But there is one and really only one faith that says God's not sitting up there on top of the mountain hoping that we find him on our path or to use our corn maze illustration. He's not at the end of the corn maze hoping that we get to the end and discover him. There's one faith, there's one belief system that says God came down from the mountain to us and showed himself to us. He spoke first through prophets, more than 40 authors, three different continents, over 1,500 years, three different languages, and yet they give a They give a unified message testifying this is who God is. This is who God is. And then ultimately, he comes down in the form of his son, Jesus, takes on human flesh and says, you don't have to try to get up to me. I've come down to you and I'm real. 
I'm not waiting for you at the end of the corn maze. I'm standing with you at the beginning, and I'm going to walk with you through all of the turns and twists, and every time you get confused, and every time you question, and every time you think about walking away, I'm going to be there. And I think back to how I first came to know him. And he was so real. The circumstances that that started my corn maze, that started my spiritual journey, no one else could have orchestrated those circumstances. God did that. And I look at many of your lives and I look back across my own life and I see God at work. He's not some distant God as Deus believe. He didn't start it all and walk away, go on vacation. I see him at work in your life. I see him perform miracles in people's lives that I know. I look at my own life and I know that he's here and I know that he's real. And yes, sometimes in the middle of it all, I think it, is it true, really? How could this happen and there be a God? Yeah, I get to that point. But then I step back and I remind myself, I don't understand all of this that's in front of me. I just know God is real. And I'm going to hold on to that until he gets me to the other side of this. Maybe you need to walk back to the start this morning. I, I, I probably can't solve all of your deep, real, good questions. But I can hold your hand and we can walk back to the beginning and we can say, this is true. And we will hold on to this until we understand more. Would you pray with me? God, we live in a world of of challenge and and difficulty and, and evil. And we don't understand evil. We can't explain even we don't know why it has to be the way that things are we turn on our television we have all kinds of questions sometimes we wonder where you are and in that moment in that confusion that is real those questions that are good the times that we feel disoriented God help us help us to remember There was a time we started this path and you were so real. And we've met people along this path and in their lives, you were so real. And no, we can't explain everything around us, but we know you're here. And we will hold on to that until we get to the end. I pray it. In Jesus' name, amen.